Good morning. It's a tremendous blessing to be with you this morning. Before I begin, I want to say thank you to my gamers from the University of Valley Forge, my friends Forrest and Matt, and then my Aunt Christy and Uncle Carl are here from Royersford. So I want to thank you guys for being here. It's a tremendous blessing. It's an honor to be sharing with you this morning. Today is a day that will forever be in my testimony. On my 21st birthday, I preached the word of God to my home. I could say my home church, but Lighthouse is more than a church for me. It's my family, my childhood, my growth, my school, my friends are here, my relationship with Jesus started here. It is where I can come as I am and be changed into who God wants me to be. Not all of us are blessed to have such an amazing church. In our culture today, churches in America are no longer a force of change and spiritual influence. There is a problem when the church reflects the spiritual climate of our world. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now an example of this in our culture today, January 3rd, 2020, the United Methodist denomination announced that it would vote to divide the denomination over permitting LGBTQ clergy, so this is pastors and spiritual leaders, and homosexual individuals. The Bible is clear. All sexual immorality is sin, and Leviticus 18.22 says that homosexuality is a detestable act before the Lord. Now, we can talk about theology and the interpretation of Scripture and all those fun things and hermeneutics and all that great stuff, but these pastors are biblically illiterate. We can talk with them until we're blue in the face. If the church does not take the B-I-B-L-E, the book for me, as the inspired, truthful word of God, then we have an issue. But my point is not to argue or to make you feel bad or make them feel bad. I want to show that there's a breakdown in the church in America. The question is, what does Jesus say about the church today? This sermon is going to be a lot of questions, and a lot of them I can't really answer. They're for you to answer and to listen to the Holy Spirit on how he's directing you and guiding you. What would Jesus say about the decision of the United Methodist denomination? What does Jesus think about the Assemblies of God? And most applicable, what does Jesus say about Lighthouse Assembly of God in New Holland, Pennsylvania? This morning we're going to be reading from the book of Revelation. Bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago you died on the cross You purchased our salvation, Lord, and I thank you that you spoke to John and you told him what's going to be happening in the last days. I thank you, Lord, that we can listen to your voice and your words and we can hide them in our heart, Lord. And I thank you that you showed us the way and I pray that we would always follow you and always follow your word and we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. For some background information, the book of Revelation begins with a prologue, so it's a little introduction, explaining that this book is a prophecy. Jesus is communicating to John through a vision, explaining what will happen in the future. John was on the island of Patmos, most likely imprisoned because of his faith. And in this vision, John is commanded to write what he will see and to send it to the seven churches, including Ephesus, so the book of Ephesians, there was a church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, eh, Philly, and Laodicea. This morning we are going to be focusing on the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, 
verses 14 through 22. And I will be reading in the NIV, which is the New International Version. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are the words of Jesus to seven of the early churches. He is telling John what he thinks about each church and how they can either improve or what they can continue to do. You know, they're doing great things, so keep up the good work. Jesus says in verse 15 through 16, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus knows all that we do. The Bible says his understanding has no limit. He knows the secret of our hearts, and he even knows the number of hairs on our heads. Some of us more than others. (laughs) There's nothing that we can hide from the Lord. He sees our outward responses, how we respond to our bosses, our co-workers, our friends, even our enemies. But beyond our external outward interactions, he can see and he knows our inward thoughts, intentions, motives, and heart. The Bible says death and destruction lie before the Lord. How much more do human hearts? And when Jesus cast out a demon in the book of Matthew, the religious leaders accused him of casting this demon out by the power of Satan, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knows our deeds, our thoughts, and our heart. But what does he mean, neither hot or cold? Usually, it's assumed that Jesus would prefer for us to be spiritually on fire, praising the Lord, all that fun stuff, rather than having like a, eh, attitude in our spirituality. The city of ancient Laodicea in current-day Turkey was a city that pridefully boasted of their resources, so they thought they had it all together. But the one thing that they lacked was clean drinking water. An excavation of that city's terracotta pipes reveal thick lime deposits, which suggests heavy contamination in the water supply. So this city, this ancient city, had to pipe in all the water, and by the time it reached the city, guess what? It was lukewarm. Unlike cold water, which satisfies thirst after you're running or you're playing ball or something, you don't walk in and ask, hey, can I get some warm water? Or you don't ask for lukewarm water. 
You want some cold water. You want something to satisfy you. But when you're taking a bath or a shower, you don't want cold water. You want warm water. So both of these are good in their specific circumstance. But lukewarm water is just kind of gross. Commentator Craig Keener suggests that the church had become prideful just like their neighbors. This isn't what Jesus wanted. Keener writes, in today's English, he is telling the self-satisfied church, this prideful church in Laodicea, I want water that will refresh me, but you remind me of that water you always complain about. You make me want to puke. That's pretty crazy. The church's pride left a bitter taste in Jesus' mouth. Now, Keener continues. Jesus' challenge to the Laodicean Christians, self-sufficiency, so their pridefulness, reminds us how readily we as Christians absorb the attitudes of our culture without pausing for critical reflection on this behavior. We can say that this statement applies to the Methodist church. They've allowed our American culture to affect and change the beliefs of the church. Again, referring back to Isaiah chapter 5, woe to them who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. Jesus continues in verse 17 through 18. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. The things of this world, status, money, sex, drugs, alcohol, fame, any other thing that you can imagine will never, ever, ever be able to satisfy your heart. It might satisfy you for a while, but eventually you'll become more dissatisfied than ever. It's funny, the things we do almost become our identity. We become blinded by these worldly pleasures. The only thing that will ever be able to fill this void in your heart and in your life is Jesus Christ and the love that he has for you. Jesus has the best for you today. He's not selling old, rusty, dirty objects at a yard sale. As the scripture says, he is selling pure gold refined in the fire, the most pure gold, pure white clothes, and healing for your heart and mind. Even Kanye West raps, we have everything we need in God. Jesus is telling the Laodicean church and us today, you can't rely on yourself or even those around you. Even though you don't understand it, you have to rely in me. Jesus says in John chapter 15, 5, which is one of University of Valley Forge's spiritual pillars, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Are our lives bitter to Jesus? Is our church bitter to Jesus? Are we following our culture or are we fully devoted serving and relying in Jesus? Let's continue in verse 19 through 20. Jesus loves us and he is calling us to a life greater than the present. In verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The Bible says that God is love in 1 John 4, 8. God loves us so much. 
even when we make mistakes, even when our lives are bitter to him, he cares for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God has demonstrated his love for us in the life, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter what we've done or who you are, because he loves us so much and because he sacrificed himself for us, he rebukes and corrects us to make us more like him. Let me repeat that. Because he loves us, he rebukes and corrects us to make us more like him. The Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. And you know that feeling when you've done something wrong and you have that guilty feeling? The Bible says that he has written his law on our hearts and in our minds. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you when you've messed up or when you've fallen short. But he gives us the ability and the opportunity to be earnest and to repent. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Today, the Holy Spirit might be calling you. He is calling our church. He wants to be a part of our everyday lives. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Will you allow the Lord to work in your heart? Collectively, as a church, as Lighthouse Assembly of God, will we allow the Lord to move in our services? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, to lead us, to guide us? Or will we just continue to do the same old things just because it's what we do? What happens if we follow and serve Jesus? Verse 21, if we follow Jesus and accept his discipline, it says in verse 21, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right not just the opportunity. It is yours. It will be your right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. One day, Jesus is coming back for his church. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, we will be standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We will continually worship Jesus for all eternity. There is also coming a day of judgment. And it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. If we have Jesus in our heart, we will be restored in our right to our glorified state and we will rule again with Christ as it was intended in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1 through 3. The question is, Will we heed the words of Jesus? We finish our passage with this encouragement. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We must listen to the voice of the Lord and follow him not only as individuals, so not only as myself, but as a congregation and as a church. The question remains, what does Jesus say about Lighthouse? I want you guys to close your eyes and I'm going to read a passage from Revelation chapter 1. And this is the description of Jesus. So John is in this vision, and he sees Jesus. 
in his glorified state. He purchased our salvation. They're just waiting for that day whenever God says, okay, you're going for the church. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to describe what Jesus will look like when we enter into eternity. This is who is speaking about the church in Laodicea, but he's speaking to our church today, and he's speaking to you. Jesus is described as the Son of Man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. And this is John speaking. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades and or hell. This is who is calling to us from heaven today. Jesus is radiating. I can't even describe it. He is radiating in his glory. He is speaking to you today. What does Jesus say about you? Not only to our church, but you as an individual. We all play a part in the church as we read in 1 Corinthians when Paul gives the explanation. The church is like a body. It has many members. You can't have one part without the other. We each have a specific role and function in our church. We need each other. I need you. I need all of you. We need each other. The question is for you today, do you know Jesus? Is your life exemplary of Christ? Are you showing others that you're a Christian? If not, I have good news for you today. Jesus loves you, and he died for your sins. He has made a way for us to spend eternity with him in heaven. But even for today, he has a greater life for you than the present. I would love to talk with you. I know our pastors would love to talk with you after the service about how to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Are you a part of the church? Will you take the next step and commit to follow Jesus and get connected to the church? Or for those who are members and who have been faithfully serving the Lord, are we making church a priority? This is the conclusion. It's an open-ended question, and I want you to really think about it this week. What does Jesus say about Lighthouse? And in the words of John as he wrote this to the church in New Holland, Pennsylvania, right? I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that your word would not return void. I pray that we would continue to think about this word and we would make your church a priority. We would make your word a priority in our everyday lives. And I thank you, Lord, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, it's a beautiful sight to think of you in your glory and in your presence. I pray that this church, as we sang about this morning, that your glory would fill the temple. Lord, I ask that Lighthouse would be so full of your presence that we wouldn't even be able to see each other, the people who stand next to us, Lord. I pray that you would continue to bring explosive growth, explosive change, and I pray, Lord, that you continue to work and move in our midst. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word on my 21st birthday, and that's an amazing blessing. I thank you for how good you've been to me and my family.
And I thank you for Lighthouse and how much of a blessing it is to me and my life. In Jesus' name, amen.